Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Zinfandel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. So Linda, I'm really excited about this episode because we are going to talk about fabulous women in wine in light of the upcoming International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March. So look, yay. So look, we could be we could be here all all day really talking about women in wine industry in the wine industry. There's so many accomplished, inspirational, formidable women in wine. Um, but we don't have that time. So I'm just going to, you know, you've Highlight. You're going to highlight a couple. And I'm going to highlight a few. And yeah, but I think and just probably, if this was ten yeah. years ago, we probably wouldn't be having the same conversation at all. Why do you say that? Because I think that a lot of things have changed in the wine industry and has allowed women to become more of a focal point in senior roles in winemaking. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that, but I think fair play to the ones that have uh, trailblazed and. Uh, yeah. are really at the forefront of, of senior positions like chief winemakers, et cetera, in, in wineries. So fair yeah. play. Okay, well said. So <laughs> I'm going to kick off with one and then we'll just take turns. Sound okay? okay? That sounds um, fine. So I wanted to talk about a lady called Rossa Kruger. Do you know about Rossa? I do not know about Rossa. Okay, so Rossa to me is like the epitome of sort of a warrior, you know, this kind of a woman um, and a pioneer in many ways. So she grew up in South Africa. She's from South Africa and she was, you know, she grew up kind of surrounded by nature. And I just love her story. Like from the age of five, she'd regularly pack a bag with food and water and just kind of head off into the wilderness, you know, shoeless. I know, I'm like an amazing woman um, with her brothers and sisters, like not on her own. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she's been a key figure in sort of uh, the development of post-apartheid South African, the wine scene in South Africa, promoting things like good labour practices and assisting like the local nursery to import new European varieties like Assertico and Garnacha. Um, And she's been, you know, she's really helped um, younger winemakers as such. Um, yeah, she's just she's just done so much for the South African wine industry. And, and you know, the other thing she did is she sort of she launched the Old Vine Project. I'm not sure if you heard about that, but um, she decided having kind of visited different wine regions in Europe, you know, she saw what could be done with old vines. And she saw obviously, you know, how prolific they were in certain regions of, of Europe and how they could make these amazing, complex, concentrated wines. And she went back to South Africa and she decided look, where where are they in South Africa? We've got to find them. We've got to document them and we've got to kind of preserve and, and, and you know, nurture them as such. And she did that and it, it was known as the Old Vine Project. Cool so, name. yeah, yeah, it was fab. Um, and she is fab. If just anything you read about her, it's just, it's incredible. Um, she recently, I think it was last year, 
Um, she was the recipient of the Decanter Hall of Fame Award. So everyone oh, right, okay. Decanter, yeah. I'm a bit behind my Decanter magazines now, I have to say, I'm not going to lie. So I haven't read up on, on, on all these amazing women yet. But Yeah. Well, it, it's not always a woman. In fact, I don't think it has been a woman for quite some time. Um, but she, yeah. So I mean, I suppose that's what kind of reminded me of her. I mean, we have studied her in terms of when we when we look at old vines. Like, like I said, she's really led the way. Um, but I think she's just so interesting. Like her great great granddaughter. She, sorry, her great great grandfather. Um, is Paul Kruger, and he was the 19th century president of the South African Republic. Uh, who survived the great trek from the Cape Colony in the south to the interior of the country as a child and fought against the British Empire in the two Boer Wars. And she says, if you're a Kruger, you must walk tall. We're a family of farmers and fighters. Just think, yeah, that's what, you know, the warrior, you know. That's why you're picking her because you're the tall one. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I'm the short one. They all walk tall. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, inspirational on loads of levels. And I wanted to give her a shout out. Who's your Who first? Is the person that I um well, one of the many ladies I have chosen to feature is Louisa Rose, um, the head winemaker at Yolumba in Australia. Okay. Um, I met the lady about 15 years ago when I worked in a wine shop, and she did a tasting of all the Yolumba wines. And um, it was fantastic. So she's there nearly 20 years and um, she kind of got me on you, which we all know I love so much uh, on the map in Australia. And, um, you know, she's just she's won loads of awards for her winemaking, but she still feels as she's part of the family mm. of Yolumba that she's been there for so long. Um, and the Hill Smith family are the ones who who run it and, and she feels part of of them. So she's been there since 92 and she has is an amazing taster and uh, she's just got such great talent. And I, I just think she's amazing and she's still there and just going strong. So fair play. Lovely. Like that. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard of her before, actually. I, mean, um, I, don't know. I like I like the way you're kind of picking women who are maybe slightly less obvious, do you know, as in they wouldn't be, I mean, they're probably very yeah, she's obvious. Not, like, I mean, the family, Robert uh, Hill-Smith, I had a, a, a dinner with them a couple of years ago and his daughter, I can't remember her name. I'm going to say Chloe, but I might be wrong. Um, I couldn't find her name online. Um, mm-hmm. But she came over to, it was her first trip to Europe and it was really exciting. And I was saying that, you know, I'd met Louisa Rose before and he was delighted then, you know, and you know, it's just a lovely, it, it felt really family. And then the, the daughter was so excited getting involved in the family business. And, you know, it was great. It was lovely having lovely. The, the dad and daughter over. And uh, that was a, that was Valentine's Day four years ago, actually. And we had the, in a private dining room in Lecrevan restaurant, which would be one of Dublin's lovely restaurants. It was lovely. Lovely. Yeah, so. Um, Good memories. Great. Remind me just to touch on at the end of this, you know, sort of mention a few of the unsung heroes of the wine world. Uh, you know, again, women, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. um, but just just you mentioning that lady, Louisa, just just yeah, reminds me of more that I want to mention that I want to talk about, but we don't have time. But I just want to, you know, mention them nonetheless. Um, so you've gone into their their life stories. I'm like short and sweet. Tell you who they are and all the rest. You know, you're like telling them what you, they had for breakfast. So off you go. No, come on, now give us a break. We have to give some information. You're so good at research. I'm just like, 
Yeah, this this person's cool. I actually found a few things out when I was looking for this because I knew you were going to pick the kind of the really well-known ones and then a few little obscure ones that you might have come across during your studies recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only came across two that just happened to be female winemakers that of wines that I love, which mm-hmm. is great, you know. Perfect. Wasn't Perfect. seeking them out, you know. Each to their own, Linda. You yeah. know. Yeah, okay. it's all good. Never. Would you like to be a winemaker? Would I like to be a winemaker? Look, I'd love to, I'd love to produce wine and I'd love to be able to, you know, make a beautiful wine and to, to, to be able to stand behind it and over it and, you know, have someone else taste my wine. That would be, I think, the greatest privilege. Um, mm. And I would love to do that. But I, 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 it's such a difficult undertaking. I mean, in, in a practical sense, I don't know how I would... You know, bar bar working, uh, working a uh, sort of getting a bit of an apprenticeship in a winery, taking a wine, uh, having a winery take me on as such. You know, as a commercial endeavor, I think it's extremely hard. Um, but you just you just reminded me of a lady I met um, at the MW seminar that I was that I had I had to attend recently, and her name is Joa Hearn. She's an MW, and she was one of the unsung heroes I was going to mention. Um, Joe O'Hearn is a fascinating woman and like just so insightful. And she's just one of these people that you could just spend hours listening to. She's so many incredible stories. She was one of their chief winemakers, uh, sorry, a chief winemaker for Jacobs Creek out in Australia. You know, she was involved in the design of their one of their huge plants, which was no minor feat. I mean, it is incredibly difficult logistically to to design a building that's going to take in, you know, the quantity of grapes that they take in, keep them all sort of temperature controlled and, you know, produce a consistent style of wine. So she was behind that. She also worked like in Ruther, you know, for a winery that made Rutherglen Muscat, which is a, a nice. sweet fortified wine. So she's done it all. But more recently, she... um. Yeah, in the in twenty twenty, when we had a session with her, a virtual one, she was making her own wine in Croatia in Havar. She was intrigued by the indigenous the indigenous grape varieties of uh, Croatia of Havar specifically, and she wanted to make like interesting skin contact white wines, which is what she did. And she was so interesting to listen to because she was doing it in with very primitive sort of facilities and resources at her at her disposal um, like her temperature control might have been like she she laughed to say you know she might have had to grab a couple of, of, of cold uh, bottles of water from the freezer or fridge and like you know throw them into the fermentation tank you know wow. yeah she had great stories but again I mean that's such a huge thing I, I don't think a lot of people understand the process of winemaking as well that it's it's not just oh yeah let's put grapes in here and make it it's, oh, it's yeah. very complex it's so, so. labour intensive and she yeah. was a one woman show and so I met her last week or the week before at the seminar and I said Joe last time I you know we spoke you were in Havar in Croatia and she said Antonia she said like literally talk about bad timing it was COVID she said I was going to make you know um, boutique quant- like boutique wines in small quantities for sort of on trade. And she said COVID happened and it was just so difficult to keep it going, you know, and she's back in the UK working for a winery. But I just, that's what I mean by like this romantic idea of winemaking and would I love, would I like to make a wine? Absolutely. But that's the reality, you know, Joe's story is the reality sometimes. So, I mean, I've kind of talked about another one, but the one I was going to mention, and it's almost really obvious, but I, I feel like, you know, she she deserves a mention is Jancis Robinson OBE. And MW, 
And she's probably like, she's kind of like the godmother of the yeah. wine world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very godmother. She? Yeah. I mean, she's done it all. I mean, she is like, she is such a figurehead in terms of all that she's accomplished. She's a wine writer. She, you know, she was the first person that wasn't in the wine trade to get her master of wine title back in 1984. Um, you know, she studied maths and philosophy at Oxford University. So obviously she was no daw from the, from the outset. <laughs> but she, um, you know, she writes now, um, obviously she's a wine critic, but she's a journalist. She writes for the Financial Times. She has her website, jancesrobinson.com, which is updated daily. She provided advice for the wine cellar of Queen Elizabeth II, no less. Um, so all these interesting facts about her, she um she served as British Airways wine consultant and supervised the BA Concord seller luxury selection. Yes, it's kind of fascinating, all this stuff, you know. Um, but, you know, she is so prolific. She is responsible for the Oxford Companion to Wine, which we all, yeah. anyone who studied wine, you know, has had to refer to on more than one occasion. Yeah, your your study guide for the diploma is get the encyclopedia. Not yeah. Go. But <laughs> I remember when I started the MW journey, um, so... I started with a guy, one of my fellow students is a guy from Hereth, another person from Hereth called Joaquin. He's a, he's a, a winemaker. And when I met him in Hereth, um, you know, we met up and got to know each other and everything. And I said, well, why did you apply? You know, this is the question. Why did you apply for the program? And his answer to me was he was a pharmacist uh, by trade, but he had spent some time uh, it spent a vintage in a, in a chateau somewhere in Bordeaux. I can't remember which one. And he told me that they had a visit. He was just a bit of a cellar rat at the time, but they had a, a visit. Cellar from- rat. There's yeah. a description for you. <laughs> well, that's what they call them. Um, but he, um, he, they had a, a visit from Jancis and, you know, the heads of the, the owners of the chateau and the winemaker were leading the way and they were going, going through, you know, the, the winery with Jancis and they were, she was tasting wine from the barrels and she was, you know, smelling them and tasting them and smelling them and tasting them. And next minute she, he said, I mean, he was just behind the pack. She, uh, she smelled one of the wines and she said, no, 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 this one's different. This is not, you know, use French oak. This is part or you know, there's some different grain in this. This is Russian oak or something that was very unusual to find in Bordeaux at the time. Wow. And, and they said, oh, my God, she's right. And Joaquin said it, he just, you know, his his jaw dropped. He was just so flabbergasted that anybody could be so um, acutely aware. Brilliant. Yeah. And be so yeah. masterful in their in, 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 in their subject, you know, that he was inspired to go on and do it. And I thought that was a great story about chances. That's a lovely story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Great. Have you another one for us? I do indeed. Um, and this is a lady um, called Viviana Navarrete, mm-hmm. N-A-V-A-R-R-E-T-E, who is the chief winemaker for Vinaleda in Chile and Leda Valley. Um, so these are actual wines that I would have very much enjoyed here, used for tastings. Um, they're actually available in O'Brien's wines. And I didn't know that before that um, I was a female winemaker. She's been uh, their chief winemaker since 2007. And um, she said, like, in the last, you know, 15 years, there's only two female winemakers in the region, which is pretty small. Um, And uh, she I I found this out from winemag.com. 
So she is quoted as saying for her, she sees far more women working as export managers. Years ago, the roles were impossible because it demanded a lot of time on the road visiting markets. So she is actually considered a real innovator and um, produces Sauvignon Gris and Riesling. Mm. Um, and she's received many awards and accolades for this. So fair play to her. Um, so Leda in, in Chile is very a small enough region. And she said that not a lot of things has changed in the area. So there's only two female winemakers in the area. Um, but that more and more women are getting uh, jobs in different areas like communications, um, like export managers and uh, quality control. So she said it's very interesting and exciting to see a movement and change in, in the area. Yeah. Um, so I, I've really uh, no idea about her before. And I just yeah. think fair play because I because they have entry level wines and then they've got single vineyards. And I love every single one of their wines. There's something for everyone from Syrah to Pinot to Chardonnay to Sauvignon Gris. So they are great wines. Yeah, yeah. I really do. You know them? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah they I, are I really great wines. Them. So fair yeah. play. And you know what? Brilliant price points, too. Yeah, kind of tell really... you know proof that you don't have to spend a fortune for a decent Pinot Noir and you know like that Pinot Gris and all of that brilliant grape varieties for cool climate Leda to be producing. So like that's great. I didn't realize there was a female behind behind that. Yeah, now, I do think the company is overall owned by Heineken. Oh right. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Interesting. Okay, so um. I will mention a few, a few at the end, but um, only to, you know, a sort of a mention because of time restrictions. But I definitely want to end the the highlights with Roisin. Um, so Roisin Curley is a master of wine. Um, she's the latest master of wine from Ireland, where we're based. And she happens to be my mentor on the master of wine program. Um, she's just a fascinating, um, brilliant you know, courageous woman. And I'm very fortunate to have her as my mentor. Um, She's a really interesting story. She started out as a pharmacist in the West of Ireland in in a county called Mayo, um, running the family pharmacy. And, um, you know, she she started studying um, the WSCT. She just developed an interest in wine. And she went uh, on to win a scholarship to study an MSc in viticulture and enology in Montpellier and then Geisenheim in Germany. And she ended up in Chateau Latour and Chateau Grillet um, doing doing her training, as you do. <laughs> I was just, ah, yeah, just down the road there, like two you of know, the most prestigious wine wineries like ever. Such like prestigious ever. chateau and, and like this Irish woman. And I, like, I'm pretty sure she didn't have any French you know, going down there. Um, I mean, she might correct me on that. And she certainly that? speaks plenty of, of French now because I've seen well, you'd her. you'd have to, wouldn't you, really? Like, you know, if yeah. you're going to be making wine in Burgundy, yeah. Well, you would, but yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I'll, I'll get into to, to, to my visit to her, you know, shortly. But in 2015, uh, she realised her ambition to, to make wine in Burgundy, which to me is the most, obviously, like outstanding part of the story. Burgundy, like not just, you know, Languedoc or, you know, not knocking, you know, other regions, but Burgundy, you know, where, yeah, which has such prestige about it and where, you know, you would imagine the winemaking world is quite insular there, you know. So she ended up, um, she ended up in Burgundy um, working with her favourite grape varieties, which are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, 
and her preference is to work with organically grown fruit. So she focuses on buying high quality grapes from small parcels and um, that are grown and cared for by conscientious growers. And her her um, winemaking philosophy has always been sort of traditional influences, minimal intervention, and just striving to make sort of expressive wines that reflect the terroir. That's what she does. Simple. And her wines are absolutely exquisite. Exquisite. Um, yeah, as you can see, I'm a big fan. Um, she so makes it, obviously limited production. And a lot of that goes to Ireland, her 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 domestic, her own home market. But now she's like she's getting wines into like she's reaching markets like Denmark. I think her wine was listed in, in the restaurant that was voted number one in the world there in Denmark. I can't remember the name of it. Um, you know, she's she's interest from from everywhere. And and every year, I suppose her production goes up a bit and she's added different appellations. So she started with like a San Roman um um, Chardonnay and then she had an Aligoté a Bourgogne Aligoté and then she added she had Côte de Nuit Village she had a Bone and now she has added um, things like appellations like Fixan Ladois Fleury uh, a oh, Bourgogne really? I didn't know she had a Fleury okay. yeah well, yeah a Rouli as well Bouzeron and so she's like she's got 10 now um, appellations in her not, range does she? yeah yeah um, oh, and for just and such love and care, and I have seen it. And I've personally witnessed it because I, I was lucky enough to get to to visit her in October last, and she was so generous with her time. And we were in the winery, and she's like the hardest worker, the hardest worker you've ever you've ever seen. Like just yeah, I can't describe it. So like just a pleasure and an inspiration, and and so humble. In you know, in all that she's accomplished, and she's still running her pharmacy down the west of Ireland, as well as all of this people. So, what more can I say about you know the amazing Roisin Curley? Yeah, big fan, big huge fan. Fair play, Roisin. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've talked about our wines before. I mean, you you know, if you can get it's your hard hands not on them, to, yeah, yeah, you have to, yeah. If you can get your hands on them, taste them, you know, like top top Burgundy wines at like you know a fraction of of the price, you know. Um, for the quality that they are and and just exquisite. Yeah. So that's my last big shout out. Doughy eyes here. I am, of course. I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah she is an I actually have I actually have a bottle that was gifted to me at yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Roisin is a... Inspired me and Antonia. Yeah, I'm just, sorry, I'm just laughing because I'm getting all sorts of um, flashbacks. But like Roisin is, a, is like a small lady, you know, in height. Um, and she's like a lash. Frame, yeah. yeah, but you you want to see her like in those fermentation tanks like cleaning them out after barreling down her latest vintage. Like she is in there scrubbing with all her might. She's got arms like you would believe. She's got like muscles that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger wouldn't have because <laughs> she's heavy lifting all of the time. Okay, I'm sure she wouldn't appreciate it uh, being compared to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but um, like she is, oh, you, you have no idea the strength of her. So I think I've 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 gushed about her long enough so who are you who have you got for us my final lady that I want to um, give a shout out to is a wine that I tasted yesterday for the very first time it was new on Liberty Wines portfolio and um, Moulinuch is the name of the yes I tasted that with you it was it was gorgeous it was stunning it was the white and red but in particular the white was just absolutely beautiful it's not available on the Irish market just yet though no one's stocked it yet because it's literally just landed yeah I'm Um, sure it's in plenty of export markets 
Yes, a hundred million percent. You'd get it all over. Definitely available in the UK as well. South um, Africa, but- right? South Africa. Yeah, it's Swartland in South Africa. So this lady, Andrea, um, basically she got her passion for wine growing up um, around the family dinner table in San Francisco. And she went to UC Davis and studied um, studied wine and then went and did harvest in Napa Valley. So she also worked in Stellenbosch and Chateauneuf-du-Pup and met her husband. And they went back to South Africa and... Uh, started making wine and so she was named winemaker of the year by wine enthusiast in 2016 and um yeah just fair play i think it was one of the nicest wines i have tasted it's probably going to be about 35 40 euro on the irish market um but i think worth every penny that was absolutely gorgeous so i'll definitely when i find out more about that wine it will be 100% one I will recommend. And she she was interviewed about, you know, who inspires her in the world of wine. And what she said inspired her outside of wine was an astronaut who she wrote to when she was only 13 uh, called Millie Hughes Fulford. And uh, Fulford. 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 Okay. Uh, her inspirational words and work ethic profoundly helped her shape the way she approaches challenges in her life. Like that. So just, Very nice. you know, imagine a 13 year old writing to an astronaut. an astronaut. Do you know that inspires us? So I just think celebrate women all over the world doing their thing and, and getting out of the comfort zones and uh, yep. breaking molds and getting into barrels and cleaning them out if you may not have the stature to necessarily think, well, it wouldn't be for me. I wouldn't fancy that now, but fair play <laughs> to anyone yeah. who really kind of does things that are, you know, breaking the mould a little bit and, and yeah. doing their thing. And there you? are so many more to mention and I could just like, yeah, throw out a few names. Well, off. I mean, there was like, there's Dr. Laura Catena who is, you know, of the very well-known Catena Zapata winery in Argentina and obviously, you know, had a leg up because she was, after all, the daughter to Nicholas Catena uh, um, who led the way for, for Argentinian Malbec. But she, like, she's gone on to do amazing things and she's like, she has pioneered sort of higher altitude viticulture and things like that. Um, she studied at Harvard and all sorts of things. Then you have people like, Paula uh, Fandino is her name. She is a winemaker for Mar de Frades Albariño, which I know okay. you know. It's the yeah. one in the really kind the of blue bottle, yeah, the blue bottle that really stands out. And she, like the things she's accomplished. For example, she was the first to make um, sort of traditional method sparkling wine from Albariño from Rias Baisas. She's Gorgeous the first wine to, you tasted that with me a while ago, didn't you? We did. She was yeah. the first to pl- uh, to plant right. Godello. In Galicia, or in Rias Baisas, certainly. Um, and she pioneered that whole um, blue bottle, which is um, thermosensitive. So if the wine is chilled enough, you see a little boat appear on the label. And if it's not... I did not know that. Did you not know that? No. Yes, it's temperature sensitive. So it tells you if the wine is chilled enough to drink. Love that. Need to get Just a by looking at the label. Out now. Yeah. See, that's marketing for you. That's your branding marketing. Yes. Yeah, Blue I bottle, know. boat. It is, but it's got a point as well. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. obviously it's a it's a blue it's a blue bottle, but the label is like the waves crashing up against some boat or something. And it's all very maritime themed. And obviously it's supposed to depict or denote, you know, that that, that it, it is a maritime wine and it's got all that salinity and it's, you know, citrusy and fresh. And you can really get that from just looking at the bottle. 
You do. I have a photograph of me holding a magnum of it and it's half the size of me. Oh, wow. Really long, <laughs> oh, no really way. Long, it's yeah. an excellent album. I'll post you know. that up on social when this when this episode drops. <laughs> yeah, do that. Um, Birgit uh, Eichinger, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's like makes Gruner Weltliner in Kamptal in Austria. Amazing woman, one winemaker of the year there and just makes stunning wines like this. Look, there are trailblazers everywhere. I'm sure there's a dozen more there that we could talk about. But yeah, let's, you know, shout out for all the inspirational women in the wine world and not just winemakers, but, you know, we all know them. You and I know loads of them, you know, Mm -hmm. women in wine business, you know, women in wine marketing, women in wine retail, you know, people who are really, you know, um, putting themselves out there and, you know, taking a lead and being courageous. Yeah. And we like go doing a podcast, special. Antonia. Fair play to us as well. Oh, well, cheers. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye, <laughs> right, folks. Happy International Women's Day. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. Or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Wine, the long and the short of it with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.